Chapter 10 of Among the Great Masters of the Drama. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Among the Great Masters of the Drama by Walter Rowlands. Mrs. Jordan. There was one comic actress who was nature herself in one of her most genial forms. This was Mrs. Jordan, Lee Hunt. Although this fascinating Irishwoman essayed some tragic parts in supporting Mrs. Siddons and appeared as the original Cora in Sheridan's tragedy of Pizarro, it was in comedy that her real strength lay. As a comic actress, she must be classed with Woffington, Kitty Clive, and Mrs. Abington. Rosalind and Viola were called two of her finest assumptions. Peter Pindar wrote, Had Shakespeare's self at Drury been, while Jordan played each varied scene, he would have started from his seat and cried, That's Rosalind complete. William Robson, the old playgoer, declared that there never was, there never will be, there never can be her equal in the part. Sir Joshua Reynolds called her Viola tender and exquisite, and Charles Lamb, who dubbed her Shakespeare's woman, said of it, she used no rhetoric in her passion, or it was nature's own rhetoric, most legitimate then, when it seemed altogether without rule or law. Second only, if second, to Peg Woffington in the part of Sir Harry Wildair, she was unrivaled as a tomboy or a hoyden. Genist, in his History of the Stage, asserts that Mrs. Clive is no doubt played Nell as well as Mrs. Jordan. It was hardly possible for her to have played the part better. Mrs. Jordan's country girl, Romp, Miss Hoyden, and all characters of that description were exquisite. In Breach's parts, no actress can be put in competition with her but Mrs. Woffington, and to Mrs. Woffington she was superior to her in beauty. Her first appearance at Drury Lane was on the 18th of October, 1785, in the part of Peggy in The Country Girl, a play which Garrick had altered from Wycherley's Country Wife, and in which she made an enormous success. Bowden, her friend and biographer, says, Perhaps no actress ever excited so much laughter. How exactly had this child of nature calculated her efficacy that no intention on her part was ever missed, and, from first to last, the audience responded uniformly in an astonishment of delight. But her fertility as an actress was at its height in the letter scene, perhaps the most perfect of all her efforts, and the best jeu de théâtre known without mechanism. The very pen and ink were made to express the rustic petulance of the writer of the first epistle and the eager delight that composed the second, which was to be dispatched instead of it to her lover. Mrs. Tickle wrote to her sister, Mrs. Sheridan, I went last night to see our new country girl, and I can assure you, if you have any reliance on my judgment, she has more genius in her little finger than Miss Brunton in her whole body. But to this little actress, for little she is, and yet not insignificant in her figure, which, though short, has a certain roundness and embonpoint which is very graceful. Her voice is harmony itself in level, quite speaking. 
We had an opportunity of judging this in a few lines she spoke in the way of epilogue, like Rosalind. And it has certain little breaks and indescribable tones which in simple arcness have a wonderful effect. And I think, without exception, even of Mrs. Siddons, she has the most distinct delivery of any actor or actress I ever heard. Her face I could not see, owing to the amazing bunch of hair she had pulled over her forehead. But they tell me it is expressive, but not very pretty. Her action is odd, a little outré, probably affected for the characters. When Mrs. Jordan gained this extraordinary triumph, she was in her twenty-third year. Hazlitt called her a child of nature, whose voice was a cordial to the heart, to hear whose laugh was nectar, whose talk was far above singing, and whose singing was like the twanging of a cupid's bow. Hayden speaks of her as touching and fascinating. Byron declared she was superb. Matthews talks of her as an extraordinary and exquisite being, distinct from any other being in the world, as she was superior to all her contemporaries in her particular line. Kemble said she was irresistible. It may seem ridiculous, he once remarked to Bowden, but I could have taken her in my arms and cherished her, though it was in the open street, without blushing. Such an expression from the frigid lips of Kemble was a compliment that spoke volumes in her praise. The critical Macready, who had played Don Felix to Mrs. Jordan's violante in The Wander, permitted himself to speak of her with enthusiasm. His words are, If Mrs. Siddons appeared a personification of the tragic muse, certainly all the attributes of Thalia were most joyously combined in Mrs. Jordan. Her voice was one of the most melodious I ever heard, which she could vary by certain vast tones that would have disturbed the gravity of a hermit, and who that once heard that laugh of hers could ever forget it. The words of Milman would have applied well to her. Oh, the words laughed on her lips. Mrs. Nesbitt, the charming actress of a later day, had a fascinating power in the sweetly ringing tones of her hearty mirth, but Mrs. Jordan's laugh was so rich, so apparently irrepressible, so deliciously self-enjoying, as to be at all times irresistible. Its contagious power would have broken down the conventional serenity of Lord Chesterfield himself. Romney painted Mrs. Jordan several times, both as in private life and in one or two of the characters with which she had charmed her audiences. And there is also an admirable picture of her by Hopner as Hippolyta in Sibber's She Would and She Would Not. End of chapter 10. Recording by Aaron Stone.